I'm Alan Barr, and this is Radio Free RPG. Hello, I'm Alan Barr, and welcome to Radio Free RPG. Today I am joined by my guest, Gavriel and I'm completely mispronouncing that last name, and I apologize. We tried like five times. I am not getting it. Don't worry about it. You you did it perfectly. <laughs> I doubt that, but thank you for being so kind. Uh, Gabrielle is a RPG industry uh, writer, designer, publisher. Uh, he does layout, art direction, all over the board with his skill set. And he is coming to us from the Southern Hemisphere. Yes, from Argentina. Yes. Uh, what part of Argentina? Buenos Aires. It's, it's okay. Buenos Aires, uh, about one hour from downtown. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, I assume the weather down there is better than up here where I am. Yes, I'm sure it's a hot uh, summer. No, not summer. We are entering autumn now. Well, it is winter here, and we are below freezing today with several feet of snow outside. So Lovely, lovely. I like it. (laughs) It's lovely until you have to shovel your driveway. Yes, I imagine. (laughs) So, uh, Gabriel, let's talk about your games. What would you say you are known for? Um, I I have only three RPGs uh, at the moment produced, and... uh, I guess that all of them have uh, some importance, were very important. And I, Neurosity in this case was the one that uh, opened my career as a game designer. So I can say that that work is uh, very personal and very important in that way. And then came Warplam, uh, which is like a dark psychedelic fantasy. Okay. Inspired by Hey Metal Comics. And then we have a Hell Knight. That's like my Doom Biker RPG. And, and I, I I couldn't say which one is more important or which one is, sure. I don't know, more relevant uh, to me. Well, uh, they're, they're this, all... It's quite even with that. Sure. They're all equally important because they are all steps in your path, right? Yes, yes, and because I am, I think I, I could uh, reach the, the 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 moment where I'm satisfied with it, and and I could publish it, and I can still look back and see some mistakes or some things that can be corrected. That's why I'm I'm launching a new updated edition of Neurosity, but uh, I'm pretty I'm really very happy with them, and I think that they provide a sort of unique or original experience. So I'm... I would agree. They're, they're fantastic pieces of work. I have them all on my shelf, except for Hell Knight, which is fulfilling now from should, Exalted Funeral. Should arrive shortly. Yes, I'm very excited to get that one as well. Now, with your RPGs, they have a very distinct style, uh, presentation, and uh, attitude about them. One that might be compared to the early punk scene or that counterculture vibe of the subversive 70s and 80s in a lot of ways. The heavy metal era, maybe, if we were to 
draw a common parallel for the English speaking audience. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what what brings you to that uh, that presentation, that ethos? Uh, I think that is a con- confluence of um, aesthetic and game design choices. Um, I think that nost- nostalgia is also a big part of mm-hmm. our culture. Um, I guess that, uh, at least for me, uh, that 80s era, era was the one that uh, nurtured me a lot uh, since my child uh, childhood. Okay. So I guess that that had a very strong impact on me. And uh, whenever I see... Uh, artists from that era or or books from that era, cover arts, uh, I think that it, it stands out the difference, uh, uh, maybe quality or, or essence. I don't know. There's something different about all that. Maybe it has to do with the, with the techniques used or maybe it has to do with the spirit of those times. Uh, I guess it's very, it's a bit difficult to, to grasp why. But um, Anyway, I think that uh, w- w- when I developed those settings, I had to look for a, I had to look for a, for an angle to to tackle the the, the visual aspects of, of each book. Uh, so I think that it made sense for Neurosity to to like um, to concentrate on looking like a DIY cine. I'm not sure if I pronounce it correctly, uh, or, or maybe like a like a core, manual core book or something like uh, done with a sure. typewriter. Um, also, I think that uh, a very big inspiration on that book, for example, was uh, 1984. So exactly that era. Uh, so you had it, it made a lot of sense to set neurosity, mm-hmm. for example, in the 80s. And in the case of Warplum, again with the Hey Metal magazine. Again, it made a lot of sense to use all the visual plethora of the heavy metal magazines and the, uh, I don't know, Druliet, uh, Moebius, uh, Richard Corbin, and all those guys that had their own palette of colors and tried to use that palette for the book. So it was was very easy. It was very easy to like... um, take that and use it for another thing. That's what I usually do. In the case of Hell Knight, again, I could do that with the 80s horror movies or 80s horror B-movies and also the album cover arts for Hey Metal that are very distinct and they have their own individual colors and sure. All of all of your books are fantastic in that they all have a very distinct and different visual style. They they look you can put them side by side and you can recognize them all as works by you, both in the prose and sort of the visuals, but they also all stand very apart in terms of genre and presentation. Oh, that's and, great. That's great that I managed to do that. Honestly, I, I wouldn't know. Because uh, to me, the, uh, the, the aesthetics, I don't feel them like they are mine. It's like the, I'm just taking something uh, that belongs to, to some, somewhere sure. else and using it. 
but it's great that uh, I can be recognized through my works. I think that but- art art is about trying to evoke an emotional response, and your works do a very good job of finding that emotional response that I feel you as the designer and the creator were looking for, and then being able to evoke that exact response. I suspect when I read Hell Knight for the first time, it made me feel very much like you wanted me to feel. Like I was watching movies like The Crow or some of those earlier, um, what's the John Carpenter one with the motorcycles? I've forgotten now. Uh, Evil Dead. Uh, well, Evil Dead. Um, and but the John Carpenter, where they're the knights on the motorcycles. Uh, John Carpenter and motorcycles. Um, oh, what was it? Now I'm gonna. F- I'm, I'm thinking Lost Boys, but no, Lost Boys. It made it reminded me very much of those '80s demonic horror movies, um, kind of the B movies with the special effects that were more splatter gore, perhaps or. Uh, well, a little. It's, it's ironic that uh, I think that, to be honest, I, I have always I have always been fascinated by that by that mm-hmm. uh, whole uh, theme. But uh, it's ironic that uh, the awakening uh, had the spark was uh, caused exactly by uh, Mandy from Panos Cosmatos. Sure. Um, it makes a lot of sense because uh, that movie and all of Panos Cosmatos' works is exactly about the maybe 70s and 80s era, all that uh, analog and retro-futuristic uh, thing that he has going on. Uh, not, not only with Mandy, but also with uh, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Okay. Another I, love, I love Beyond the Black Rainbow. It's a fantastic movie. Yes. Um, so what has been the reason you decided to start making RPGs? Um, to to be honest, uh, I have always been making RPGs. Uh, I think that, uh, as soon as I learned uh, what it was, uh, as as soon as I became a dungeon master, that happened fairly quickly because uh, we were all moves in my game group. Uh, I, I started using my own my own stuff to, to for the settings, so um, so I never stopped uh, making games. Maybe, maybe maybe I stopped even playing them, but I never stopped de- developing. That might be weird, but it did happen. So sure. uh, um, when the when the current struck. Uh, I had Neurosity written in Spanish. Um, I had the idea of translating it and launching the key, the Kickstarter. Um, I found that it the, there was a way for me to make a living out of that. Okay. And it is making games your full-time job? Yes, it is at the moment. It's Wonderful. a struggle, a struggle, but uh, I can somehow manage in a third world. It's if it helps you feel better. It's very hard here too. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's hard as a as a basis. Yes, it's very difficult. So with these games and the distinct attitude you bring to them, 
you are also very much a proponent of older forms of entertainment. I see you post about things like cathode TV. Yes. Um, uh, what, what draws you to those sort of ideas as well? Uh, I guess, I guess that if you, you, if you can go beyond nostalgia, mm-hmm. uh, it's something very important in itself. I think that, that, that what appeals me a lot is, uh, is, uh, the independent creations of, of art, uh, uh, art uh, being being created by a by, by a person with with passion, um, maybe with not enough money, but uh, yes, with with great ideas and a lot of energy to do it. So that uh, that creates a, a piece that has its own its its own force. You know, it it like carries you away and. And it, and it can really inspire other people to do the same, and that 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 goes with uh, with the DIY culture or the independent cinema, independent whatever. Uh, and I think that right now there is like a, like a sort of opposition to what could be considered as corporate products, maybe corporate cinema, corporate uh, music or whatever, and you you can either go that way or you can go the other way. Uh, the other way would be the underground culture, right? Right. And and I think that that it's uh, great. I think that there's even a revival of that. I I, I at least feel it. Okay. Um, it's very cool when you see like uh, hidden gems of of movies of independent movies or uh, B movies and. Uh, maybe they are they are lost. They, they could be lost in in oblivion if it weren't by these curators like Cathode TV or or people that rescue them from from oblivion right. and push them back, take them to an audience, and the audience can appreciate it and it revives and it brings back that uh, that feeling. It's uh, I think it's cool. It's really amazing. Right. There are a lot of companies bringing back those revivals. Uh, you have Vinegar Syndrome uh, and then Syndrome Films has recently re-released the Tombs of the Blind Dead, the Spanish Templar horror movies. Criterion Collection obviously is well known for their attempts to preserve art. Mm-hmm. We don't have an equivalent entity in uh, tabletop role-playing games. The closest we would have would be the sort of historical artifact print on demand from drive through RPG of classic D and D books or mm-hmm. old chaosium products. Do you think we are at risk of losing pieces of RPG history? I, I wouldn't be able to, to, to say that because um, being, being in this country uh, to me, uh, it was very difficult to find RPGs in the in the nineties, so sure. I am very ignorant of of the history of RPGs. I, I, I am. It appeals me a lot, and I am very interested in them because I, I do a lot of research. Uh, but um, I, I don't I don't know them that much, to to be honest. Sure. Okay. Uh, in in Buenos Aires, it was like I had to move. I had to maybe travel one hour to find a a bookstore that I know that I had the core book of the second edition of D&D. You know? It was very difficult in those times. 
So I, 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 we didn't have any access at all to, to more obscure uh, mm. products or independent products even. The, the only thing I had when, when internet came, I remember in those times, it was a, it was a French web page that called Le Chidrol that uh, talked about our, our Dragonlance or so, stuff like that, I remember. And we like uh, translated it into Spanish to understand what's going on because we didn't have a, a way to, to be informed about all this, all of this. Sure. So what RPGs from the history of RPGs interest you? You said you're trying to always learn more to reach back into that. What do you find influential on you when you do that? Well, um, I I liked a lot, uh, for example, Dark Sun. To me, Dark Sun, the the brutality and that uh, whole whole thing, over the top thing. Uh, I think it was great. Um, Warbland, in, in fact, is very heavily inspired in Dark Sun. Uh, I, I like that it had uh, strange things. Like I remember that uh, many many wildlife have like psionics powers. Mental powers, no, in Dark Sun. Yes. So it was like it's everything was weird and different, and in, it went away from traditional fantasy. Right. And then we had a. I, I like Planescape. Uh, I know those those settings were really cool. Um, and then when I when I got my hands in with a Cult, the role playing game. Um, to me, it was like a big opening uh, that moved uh, totally away from fantasy itself. Because when cult, uh, what is it? What what genre is it? Uh, I I believe the original cult came out in the late eighties, early nineties, out of Sweden. Yeah, but but what what's the genre? Uh, it's a horror, horror, metaphysical. It would be gnostic horror. horror. Yes. Yeah, and that was heavily influential on me. I love it. Okay. That whole Gnostic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also like uh, the Forbidden Zone and uh, the Twilight Zone. I mean, and so I, I could uh, felt re- related to that. I, I really enjoy it. Okay. Uh, yeah. The first time I read Cult, it was a revelation to me in terms of presentation and theme and ideas. And I find it very influential today on how I view horror role-playing games. Absolutely. I think that uh, it's a great read and it's very evocative. Uh, I think that it must be very challenging to master it, to, to DM it, right? Uh, not, not, not that easy because... Uh, you, you don't have the... I think that some games don't have the the practicality or don't have it easy because they don't have the party, the party concept, the concept of a, of a group of people that, you know, for example, fantasy, D&D fantasy, you have a group of adventurers, adventurers that uh, gather together in a tavern and uh, that's fairly easily and it's like a common plot line in, in the setting. Like it, it happens. You can even meet other people doing it or other NPCs doing that. No, but maybe in cult you have to, you need to find a 
you need to really think about and, and find uh, a reason for them to be together and all of them will have their own motives and maybe they will separate and it's, it must be challenging. Yes, it's uh, as somebody who has ran it, it is a lot of work on the GM. Yeah. So what does your day-to-day creative process look like? Uh, it's uh, quite uh, random, uh, but quite uh, demanding and profound and constant and relentless. <laughs> now, I try to, uh, for example, when I, when I know I have to work on something, uh, for example, for Hell Night, what I did was uh, try to listen to the music that evoke specifically that game and try to view movies that appeal exact, exactly to that, uh, to the feeling I'm looking for. So I try to soak myself with all that uh, influences constantly okay. in order to inspire me and maintain me on that uh, specific mindset or focus. Uh, and I also get more ideas in that way. I try not to right. diverse too much because... Uh, if, if I start reading something that's not uh, about that subject, I I dissipate too much. So okay. maybe I can have a, 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 maybe I don't work on, on on a normal day, but I do listen to to that music and I do listen to a couple of movies of that. And maybe I only write in the end a paragraph or only have one good idea about a mechanic or about a, a concept, a word. Sometimes I'm looking for words that I take months to find them uh, because there is like a market for words. You know, I, some, you find a word that, okay, this is this type of creature is called like this. And then you Google it and you find that there is another game or whatever that uses that specific word for something more or less similar. And it's like, crap, I need to use another word. It's a, it's a problem. Yes. I have I have done that a few times. It happens a lot. It happens all the time. I I, I have learned also still to relax a bit about it. I don't mind. Sometimes I, when for example with neurosity we have that pill that the soma pill, soma that relaxes your mind and gives you like a support. And so I said, okay, how am I going to call it? Okay, I'm going to call it soma because it's. So, in order, why would I change that that name? It's a, it's a, also a tribute to to the book and to the author that made it. Right. Sometimes we uh, try to change things too much. I definitely think there is a fine line between homage and moving too far away from it in an attempt to be different, where you end up losing the essence of the work. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes uh, uh, being well, if being different starts being the the premise, uh, I think they're going to fail. I think that that always comes as an add-on if you try to be like sincere and just concentrate on on doing something that is cool for you and it's right. a for you and it calls you and you say, okay, I I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to find this exact experience on another game so that's what i am am i doing what do you find to be the hardest part of producing rpgs um i i think that the hardest part uh, was uh, the whole uh, pr- pr- 
printing process and the whole <laughs> the whole thing yeah the whole technical aspect of making the book that I am very ignorant about uh, I think that that whole thing is a nightmare but luckily I have a team that uh, works with me and they can do that for me but it's a pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass to to do numbers and make sure that you are not losing money it's a pain in the ass to uh, keep up updated of the of how the market is going because the price of paper sometimes peaks, right. goes down and it's not that easy it's not that easy if you want to to make a profit of it and if you want to make a living out of it uh, yeah that's a pain in the ass definitely a pain in the ass i don't like also uh, writing uh, about systems I hate writing about systems and mechanics and being too over-explanatory. Uh, I get bored about doing that. I find writing rules to be my favorite part of the job. So, Ah, great. We, we make a great team then, Alan. There we go. <laughs> I, uh, the, the idea of how the physical act of rolling dice can make you feel is very important to me. And I think a lot of RPGs lose sight of the tactile elements inside role-playing games. Rolling dice makes you feel a certain way. I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree on that. Even even which dice you are using make you feel uh, differently, mm -hmm. and the amount of time you need to roll them and for any action right. or for every scene makes a world of, of difference. Uh, I like designing mechanics or, or the theory about designing. I, don't, I just don't like writing it. <laughs> it gets too technical and you need to be very precise. And my editor always says, I do it wrong. And it's like, okay, you do it. <laughs> That's what editors are there to help us do better at, right? Yes, yes. They help us, yes. yes. So with Hell Knight fulfilling currently from Exalted Funeral, your next product is a new edition of NeuroCity. Yes, a new edition with Neurosity. When, when I uh, published that book, I did not have an editor. So you can imagine it's sort of a mess. <laughs> it's, a, it's all right. It's still all right, but it's sort of a mess. Um, and we are also adding new art. And I'm also polishing a bit of the system. And I'm adding a lot of uh, lore to the setting. Also adding okay. another new class. Uh, yeah, have a, it's maybe 15, 20% more content for the work. And I'm also polishing a lot the image and the aesthetics. It's going to be the whole of it black and white with some uh, dashes of pink color. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really cool book. Good. I'm excited to see it. I quite like the first edition, so I will be eagerly uh, supporting the new one when it comes out. Thank you. <laughs> With writing, do you write your role-playing games first in Spanish and then translate them to English? Do you write them in English and get them edited? What's your process like with that? Because you're bilingual, and so, so you have the option. <laughs> yes. No, I, I write in English. Uh, okay. Luckily, I write in English, yes. I want to uh, – I live in a – here in, uh, in Buenos Aires, it's called Temperley. The, the neighborhood. So it's an old English town, uh, like a, a railway town. Okay. So 
Uh, so there are people here that sometimes speak in English, you know, all English guys, uh, a lot of my friends ended up in uh, UK living. So I, I, I learned English from a very young age and I, maybe I'm not as fluent as a native speaker, but I try to find an edge there because I think that sometimes not, not writing in your own mother language uh, could be an advantage because uh, you don't feel the personal connection with words you can have with your own mother language. Uh, I think that I always say that uh, the good thing about writing in a, in a foreign language is that uh, your mother cannot understand it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that might uh, do something in your head, no? Uh, because yes. wouldn't be able to hey. say whatever you like, you can be very dark and very psychotic and it's okay. She won't be able to, to read it. <laughs> I, I definitely can understand the point you're going with there, though, that it forces you to stretch and you might consider a perspective that somebody who grew up as a native speaker would not when it comes to using words or trying to evoke something. Yes, yes. And sometimes I, I end up using very weird words that sound a bit like Spanglish, but it's also cool. I, I think that uh, it's very important uh, in everything you do that uh, if you understand your your weaknesses, you can maybe try to turn them upside down into a, into something good, something that adds up. Well, and I would think that having works from a different perspective make it accessible to folks who might be excluded from that to a degree too. Like one of the reasons Gallant has pushed so hard for translations in multiple languages is unfortunately I don't speak other languages enough to translate my own work. And so I have to partner with companies, but what it does is it lets me turn my perspective, my viewpoint into something that they can access and help me improve on mm-hmm. or help me grow from. And I would think being able to do that naturally would provide you something that I can't get from another game written by an American designer, right? You're going to have a different viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, a different perspective, yeah, for sure. I think that it's, that's always very interesting. Uh, sadly, it's uh, the, the way English work. I think that many non-native uh, speakers and readers uh, buy those books so they don't mind buying something in English but the market in in, in other uh, countries for example Spanish is not that good at least right. uh, w- w- in my experience it it was somehow bad uh, so it was a bit difficult to to translate it into Spanish sure. at least uh, that was the my experience with neurosity okay uh, for example for warblam we we had the, 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 the French translation went very well. And I was surprised because uh, my understanding is that uh, there are more Spanish speakers than French. Hmm. No, but I don't know why uh, it worked in French, but it, didn't, it, it wouldn't be able to, to work in Spanish, or at least the offers I had in Spanish were not that appealing. Sure. I, you know, it's interesting you say that. I would think that Warpland would appeal because it very much evokes that heavy metal vibe, which is a very French cultural yes, it's aesthetic. With metal Horland. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
and, and yeah, I'm a big, very big fan of Philippe Droulet. Yes. I, you can't see them, but I have all of his collected works on the shelf. Oh, that's a lot. I don't have all of them. I have four or five. Yeah. But it's very difficult I, to, uh, to get them uh, here. <laughs> I, I got lucky and found them at a thrift store one day. Somebody wow. had sold them. And so I bought quite a few. Wow. And then was able to just get the few I was missing here and there. Yes, there's nothing quite like him. <laughs> no, he's a very unique artist, and I find his work very inspiring. Yes. The, the, well, the, the writing is a bit crazy, no? <laughs> it's, it's lovely. It's very good. It's very surrealist, very French. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes. it's impossible to follow the plotline. But to me, at least, it's impossible. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. I love it. It's all super cool. But <laughs> I, the art is so breathtaking that I probably couldn't tell you the plot anyway because I'm too busy looking at the pictures. Yes, that that, that way he achieves. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Gabriel, what is something you are very excited for coming up for you in the gaming industry? Hey, We've talked about Hell City coming out. We've talked about NeuroCity getting a second edition. Is there anything else you're excited for? You mean for other works? Uh, no, 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 not mine? Of whatever you want. Uh, something coming out that you want to get. Something you are making that you're excited about. Well, I, I, to, to, me writing, to me, producing a, a, a work or producing a book is like, a, I don't know, it's like... A, like climbing the Everest, you know. It's like so. So if you ask a guy that is going to climb the Everest, what are you, what are you excited about? I'm excited about climbing the Everest. <laughs> All no. of it is exciting to you. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm excited about uh, neurosity coming. Uh, after that, I'm going to produce meltdown. That I have been working on that setting for like the last eight months, uh, it's going to be a post-apocalyptic settings with something like superheroes and it feels Mad Max, but it also, you know, it's like a melange of things. Uh, after that, I'm going to produce an expansion for Warplan. It's going to be called Beyond the Gates of Reason. And I'm also also working for you to make Triton 9, which I'm also yes. The underwater sci-fi horror RPG. It's going to be very interesting and very good. I'm very excited to continue working on that. So I have my hands full with that. Um, works that are in mind. I'm looking forward to see the new Mothership RPG. What's yes. what will happen to that? I think that Mothership is also a crazy good uh, game setting. Um, on the aesthetics, I think they nailed it. Uh, everything about it is great. It has such a big fan base uh, for a reason because it's very good. I don't like the system, but I do like a lot the whole atmosphere it conveys. I love it. It's exactly the kind of sci-fi I like. And I think that uh, it also uh, talks a lot about uh, sci-fi as a genre right now because I think that doing proper hardcore sci-fi uh, today, uh, it's a bit difficult to role-play that because if you if you go, so what, what would uh, 100 years from now 
society look like, I think that it, everything becomes so surreal and so digital and so virtual that it's going to it's probably a very difficult and very daunting to manage in a in a game table. Uh, right. So that's that's why I think because uh, we know what it, it will be like. I don't know virtual worlds moving from one place to another. A couple of RPGs try to do it. I don't remember the names uh, to do proper hardcore sci-fi. Uh, do, do you remember one of them? Uh, what, I know. I remember there was one that you had like surrogates. You can enter into another body, and you you could always uh, transmit your mind into other stuff. I think that that made sense if you want to go proper hardcore sci-fi, but it's difficult to to handle. Okay, that's it. Traveler for me is my big hard sci-fi RPG, um, and I really am quite a big fan of Traveler. I think it deserves a lot of love and attention. Yes, but, but uh, Traveler, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with the setting, but uh, uh, it, it doesn't get a bit like Star Wars, you know, with too many races or something like that. No. It's mostly human with a few aliens. Uh-huh. Okay. But yes. it, it gets uh, like serious. It doesn't have the, those fantasies. Uh, it is a side opera. aside from optional psionics rules it's mostly played pretty straight <laughs> yeah yeah I to, to to check it out you i would recommend it uh the rules are very good they have a life path system that i really like uh-huh for character creation so well uh gabriel we're coming up on time here let I have two questions for you. First, is there a question you've never been asked in an interview that you would like to be asked? No, I can. I. I that's. I'm not that's sure. Fine. Well, if you think of one, I'll just have to have you back on. Okay, that would um, be. For sure. There we go. <laughs> uh, and the second question would be: uh, Do you have any questions for me? How, how many? Uh, you, you seem to produce a lot of uh, games and, and books, uh, right? You're a big. Uh, uh, how many? How many are you do, are you doing this year? Um, counting full books, zines, and the equivalent, we will probably do about a dozen zines and six to twelve full books. Six to twelve full books. That's yes. uh, a lot, man. And it. Is a lot of work. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I am coming up on, I started Gallant Night Games 10 years ago. Our first game will have come out about seven years ago. So you have uh, lots of experience with uh, with printing and all that. I have made a lot of mistakes to get to this point, yes. Great. <laughs> That's cool. And, and do you do you write them all? All of the, those six to twelve? No. You work with I, Yeah, so I tend to either uh hire somebody to write the portion of a book or I tend to write it. But generally speaking, what I will do is I will identify parts where I think another voice is going to be better than mine. Mm -hmm. And I will hire somebody to do that part. Um, 
I tend sometimes there are certain projects I just don't like and I will hire somebody to write them because I don't want to write them. Uh-huh. Like I quite hate writing adventures. I never like writing adventures. Yeah. And so I tend to outsource those first. Yeah, with with adventures, I think that uh, at, at least for me, a funny thing happens because I actually don't read the adventures in the in the RPG books. I usually don't. I usually skip them. I, I don't. I know. I don't like the re- reading about them, uh, I, and I don't use them. So uh, right, it's uh, I, I when I start writing a book, I always get like, oh, you need to put an adventure for people. I don't want to write an adventure. I, just, I, I made so much work so that uh, the rest of the book is so evocative that you will have a, a, an overflow of ideas and you will have a, your own adventure by the end, by, by when you finish reading it. That making an adventure is like, it's like I'm, I'm giving you a specific voice right. about the way something should happen and I want, the, I want it to happen the way you would do it. Uh, but anyway, I... Adventures are a big uh, problem for many people. I I have a hard time justifying putting the effort into it when I know half or more of the people reading the book will ignore that section anyway. Yes, that happens. It's a problem. It's a conundrum. (laughs) Yes, but they are very valuable to the people who do use them. Yes. So it's... Will not forget you. Will not forgive you if you don't include it in the book. Actually, right. I, I, for Neurocity, one of the reviewers said it does not have an adventure, sadly. Because it was like, a, oh, god damn. <laughs> yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> well, Gabriel, thank you so much for coming on. It was truly a joy to talk to you and to get to pick your brain about your creative process, uh, where you started and how you went from start to finish. I really appreciate you making the time today. No, no, thank you. I really appreciate uh, the invitation, and I really, I'm really stoked about working with you. And well, I you. think that uh, no, it's very ambitious what you do, and it's great that you are doing so much uh, uh, on your own. You, do you also have a, a daily work with, with other stuff? Or Gallant like, is my full time job. Your full time job. That's great, man. Congratulations. Yeah. A lot of work to get here, but I'm very happy to be doing it. I can see a whole room full of books and that shows you're fully committed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, If folks want to find you or your books, where can they do so? Um, Well, uh, both Warplam and Hell Knight should be available in a week or so in Exalted Funeral. If not, you can have uh, all of my PDFs in DriveThruRPG. And you are welcome to join uh, my Facebook group. We have uh, 900 uh, people, more or less, uh, Worlds of Kiroga. And, yep, that's where you can find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Folks, my name is Alan Barr, and this has been Radio Free RPG.